Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. I'm Rick Hastie. I'm a fellow member with you here at uh, Grace Fellowship, and it's exciting to continue this series we've had on worldview. Now, some of you might actually be think, wondering about my sanity when I say that, because world new is something of a new concept for you. Well, we've spent most of our time in Genesis chapters 1 to 3, because that's really what you might think of as a preface to all of the scriptures. And it's there in those first three chapters that God lays out for you what you as a Christian should think about Him, God, about mankind, all of us, and about evil. And I want to dig a little deeper into that this morning and lay out for you maybe this idea of what a worldview is, what you as a Christian should think of when you hear the term worldview, more importantly, how you should respond as you live your life every day. It's okay if you're still struggling with about how to apply these lessons. You see, this is really about understanding that you have a real kind of life filter that enables you every day to understand how, as a Christian, I should respond. Worldview affects what you hear on the news. It, it, it is a part of what your child reads in school every day. It's how you respond when perhaps somebody says things to you that lead you <laughs> emotionally to, uh, to react. It's really what happens when another driver cuts you off in traffic. It's what you react to when your child comes home with words that you think shouldn't be spoken in public. It's the choices you make in the TV or movie that you watch. It's the choices you make and how you spend your money. Uh, really simply, uh, a worldview is how you live your life. It's really different than, say, Christian theology. Theology teaches us what the Bible says about Christ and about God, and it really leads us in how we then construct our worldview. But the worldview is how you live. And again, we might just simply call it a life filter. What do you see when you look at this picture? Do you see beauty? Maybe you just see a, a feeding ground for bees. If you're Darwinian, you might just see a random process that created an oxygen generator. Uh, 
But if you're a Christian, you might see a precious flower created by a loving God to demonstrate his redemptive nature and creative power. Well, as we peer deeper into space, what do we see but more wonder and more order and more beauty? Did you know that last year the nations of the world spent more than $100 billion exploring deep space? With, a hundred, with, a hundred, uh, with, sorry, with more than a billion people on this earth experiencing poverty, what were they looking for? Well, I can tell you what they found and continue to find is more and more evidence that only an intelligent designer could have created the very things that they find. The complexity of the universe and its fine-tuning allowed for a unique earth and unique, complex, intelligent life to be formed here on this earth. Facts that can't be explained by random processes occurring over billions, even hundreds of billions of years. That's what they continue to find. The realization of this is not new to you and me as Christians. David wrote this psalm in 1000 BC, declaring the heavens, shouting out the Creator God. Every word, everything you see around you is declaring the glory of our Heavenly Father. Now, truthfully, many of us aren't that interested in exploring flowers or stars. We're just trying to get by every day. We're just trying to live a life that appears that we're interested. But deep in our souls, we continue to ask two really penetrating questions. And science is spending billions of dollars to answer, how did I get here? And what's my purpose? Well, interestingly, if you had a, an electron microscope handy, you'd be able to see that in the very smallest of visible objects, there is order and there is beauty. Yet, if you were hearing from the pathologist that diagnosed these cells as cancerous, you'd be wondering whether God really matters. I mean, in your deepest, darkest moments, does he really matter? This is where your Christian worldview screams at the top of its voice, yes. It's really through worldview that you get a lens to view the world and then make decisions of how you're going to act and react every single day. Because all of us, whether we admit it or not, are deeply 
wounded and deeply seeking for answers to meaning, both for the world uh, and for ourselves. Well, a few weeks ago, we introduced for you this chart to help you understand what are the components that are most important, really the foundation for a Christian worldview. It's really built on a proper understanding of God, mankind, and evil. You see, everything else you learn in your Christian walk will be shaped by your perception of these three things. So if you have your Bible handy, turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1. Well, verse 1 starts with the starting point of all things. In the beginning, God created. And then through the process of creation, we see this unveiling of his power and creative nature. Planets, oceans, trees, mountains, flowers, mankind. It's there that we see culminating with verse 31 that these are all things made through his goodness. As the scriptures tell us that God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Turning back to verse 27, we then uh, then see that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And again, in chapter 2, we see the repetition of God's declaration that you and me were made in His image. We also see that the male alone was not enough, that God made both male and female to be together for personal relationship. Now, we come to chapter 3. You could say, all heaven broke loose. The deceiver appears and tempts Eve and then Adam to rebel against God. And with hardly a thought, they take the bait. And then throughout the rest of chapter 3, we see the results that God declares from their sinfulness. Well, we're going to take a deeper look at God, mankind, and evil, but a a quick analogy first. If you were building a house, where would you start? Foundation, of course. Well, it's that foundation that will define the boundaries of your house. It'll define the rooms that you're going to live in. It'll define how high you can go and how long your home will last. A fragile, poorly designed foundation wouldn't last very long. You'd spend lots of time repairing it. And over the course of your daily activities, it would deteriorate further and further. You would 
find, no matter what you thought when you built that foundation, that it wouldn't be sufficient for you. But a strong, firm foundation would not only support your daily life, but it would also be firm enough that no matter what happened in your life and your need for further building and construction, you would have a foundation that would support that and enable you to live a long and fruitful life. Well, well this chart really illustrates the foundation that will guide you as you grow in Christ, enable you to become more mature in your Christian life. It's not all the rooms and structures. There'll be more to come, more you'll learn, more you'll grow with. But it starts right here with your understanding of God, mankind, and evil. Now, back to chapter 1, verse 1 of Genesis. Again, we see from the very first verse of Scripture that it all starts with God. Not some things. Everything started with God. You're faced every day with claims that our world was formed by random chance. Yet the overwhelming evidence for the universe, or even multiverses, it doesn't begin with nothing. And it doesn't just begin with something. Far more clearly, it begins with someone. We won't have time today to dig deeply into all of the evidence for intelligent design. But even elementary research will lead you to see the many, many false hypotheses that scientists have come up with and how they've been bashed against the facts as they discover more and more and how quickly they change their theories based on the latest significant discovery. But the people of God have been consistent from all time. Our faith in our creators remains stable through the fat, fragile and illusory claims of our adversaries. Based on the evidence that's being discovered by science, we should be the greatest promoters of science. We're not afraid of advanced science. It continues to prove what we've known to be true from the very beginning of time. But he's not just our all-powerful creator. His power is accentuated by his sovereignty. He's able to do all things. He speaks and the entire universe yields to his will. And so we understand that this creative, sovereign God can do anything he chooses to do. There's just one exception. He can't do evil. He is the essence of goodness. He is a good God all the time. Romans 8.28 tells us that he will, he will make all things good for our good. And that's his promise to you. When we realize that a good God is in control, 
and he who made the entire universe is able to do all things, then we can be at peace in the midst of very difficult circumstances. We've created some information for you to refer to. We hope you'll dig a little bit deeper on these topics. Genesis 1, 2, and 3 are just the prelude to scriptures that teach you about God, mankind, and evil. And will reinforce and build more understanding of these three things as you uh, do your own studies. Here you'll see we've got the references of each of these uh, um, beliefs in Genesis, but then take you further throughout the scriptures. This isn't exhaustive. It's really just a beginning for you to see that throughout the scriptures, these things are taught and built on. They're available for you, by the way, on the GFC app. You'll you'll find all of uh, you'll find the primary slides available there. Now, look at Genesis uh, verse 20, uh, 1, verse 26. Let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You see, God made you in his image. And you, and you, purposefully, intentionally, chapters 1, 2, and then 5, repeat that. It must have been really important. Now, I don't know, some of you might have wished you were made in the image of, say, Tom Brady or Kim Kardashian. But you know, God made you even better the image he created you in is far better than anything you and I can imagine. You're made to be in fellowship from the moment of your creation, male and female together, reflecting the image of God. In addition, by your nature, you're made to have dominion over all creation. A, a quick side note. God voiced his expectation that you would have authority over the earth, not Mother Nature having authority over you. We are to be good stewards, to mind the earth with a care that reflects the love that God has for his creation. Yet our efforts, whether in science, economics, philosophy, or other disciplines are all intended to reinforce the wisdom and the power of our Creator God. As image bearers, we've received many of God's attributes, precise communication, complex intelligence, thoughtful reasoning, emotions and emotional intelligence, are just a few. But one of the most critical Attributes we have that God has given us is choice. And now that leads us to chapter 3. In chapter 3, we see how quickly, 
how quickly we take that choice and turn it into rebellion. We're fallen, and that fallenness is all around us. When we face the sinfulness of others, we shouldn't be surprised. We know our own sin. We know our own rebellion. Along with our fallenness comes the pain of work and childbirth, both of which show up in many different areas of our lives. But more than anything else, it shows up in our inadequacies and our insatiable desires for more. But we never feel complete. Even if it seems so, it only lasts for a moment before our fallen hearts demand more. In the early 70s, our U.S. courts decided that we should end prayer in schools and that we should make abortion legal. Their decision was reflective of a country that had begun to openly shake their fist at the notion of a God who was in control. It was popular then and even more so now to agree that a religion is a crutch and that the Judeo-Christian God is particularly offensive. We as a country rejected the Christian worldview and we adopted the Darwinian concept that we exist with no purpose. The worldview declared we'd be better off believing that our existence was meaningless. So what's been the result? Since 1970, suicide in our country has skyrocketed and more than 60 million babies have been aborted. In just the past 12 years, tragically, suicides even among 10 to 12-year-olds has increased by more than 50%. Well, I want to speak to some of you, maybe many of you, who have had those kinds of thoughts or have loved ones who have. You were made by a good God for a good purpose. You are not meaningless. You are not random. He made you in his image that you might worship and glorify him. He has not abandoned you. He is there for you. You're so important to him that he would have put his only son on the cross just for you. And indeed, that's what he has done. You are not meaningless uh, material matter that randomly occurred. You were created by him, for him, and one day you will be with him face to face. You and I won't be adequate in ourselves. We'll always seek to be fulfilled, but on our own, that search will never lead to satisfaction. As St. Augustine said, we have a God-shaped vacuum that will only be filled by Christ himself. This God who made you in his image is not far away. He's near and he's a loving God who's given himself for you. 
Well, once again, you can study further. You can dig deeper and see how the scriptures teach these truths about mankind from the very first of Genesis to the very end of Revelation. Again, this isn't exhaustive. It's just a touch for you to learn more. We're made to have fellowship with him. Sorry. We're made to have fellowship with him. And yet, it is God alone who can bring us to completeness. Very often, though, especially when we talk about, uh, sorry, I moved forward there. Very often when we talk about worldview, uh, we fail to talk about evil. E- evil is real. Evil had no name in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, it's identified as a serpent, and afterward, after its deception of Eve, uh, became a, a snake. But evil's personified in many ways and at many times in the Bible. Uh, David in the Psalms uh, recognized evil specifically among his community. Uh, Psalm 28.3, Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Does that sound familiar to some of you and what you have to deal with? Jesus even calls Peter Satan and refers to the Pharisees as sons of the devil. In Genesis 3, we see evil is not just a concept. It's actively, actively involved around us and even in us. Evil's a being that's seeking to destroy our very purpose, fellowship, and worship with God. It's no wonder that the leaders of our world would try to convince us that we have no purpose and that the results of that lie would be an increase in people believing that their lives have no worthwhile meaning. Even children believe that today. Evil will deceive you, and we are easily deceived. The deception of evil is very often what appears in the moment to be good and especially to feel good. Our adversary's quite cunning as he was described from his first encounter with Eve. Evil will lead you to what you believe to be good only to find later, sometimes much later, that lies are at the core of its alluring promises. You'll think you're doing good only to find that the opposite is true. Evil's not, though, in control. God's in control. Evil's not all-powerful and all-knowing. Apparently, evil doesn't even know that it's already been defeated. But you know. God's made a promise from the very beginning, all things will be restored. Evil will no longer be. You don't have to give in to the schemes of the devil. You already have victory through our great God. I hope you'll look further. Spend some time in God's word on this topic.
you'll see over and over that evil will try to influence, deceive, lure, attack you and the world around you. But evil can't operate outside of the power of God. You need not be afraid. He is defeated. Whether you work in the fields and know what it's like to have good crops and sometimes not so good, you still know that producing fruit requires hard and seemingly unproductive work at times. It's a reflection of our fallenness and a reminder that one day all things will be restored. We'll be permanent residents one day in paradise. It, <clears throat> it's not easy, though, when everything around you seems quite out of focus. You might feel that life's always shaky and hard to understand. Maybe you struggle with bad relationships, hardships, pain, disabilities, discouragement. None of this is unknown to a God who made you in his image and deeply loves you. He made you for a purpose, a purpose that's clear to him, and he'll bring it all into focus one day for you. Well, maybe you've gotten some news that you most dreaded to hear. At some point, virtually all of us will hear that bad news about ourselves or a loved one. Who do you believe is in control? Does your worldview tell you that God is on vacation and not able to help you? That's the work of the evil one. Evil would have you believe God is only sometimes in control, but not when it matters most to you. That is his ugly lie. God is 100% all of the time in control of all things. And one day, you'll understand that he's working all things for good. Well, even just the last few days, we've witnessed that uh, nature can be a beast. But nature, too, is under God's control. We see throughout the scriptures how God uses nature to demonstrate to leaders and to nations that they are subject to the authority of God himself. We all suffer from the destructive forces of nature at times. We should understand that there's power and ability that lies far outside of our comprehension. We're ultimately, though, subject to the will of a mighty God who reigns over all that we see and many things we don't see. Even kings and rulers can't conquer all that he's created. Well, I know that you've been hearing lots of things over the last few weeks that might be new to you, and maybe you still have lots of questions. For some of you, this has been completely, totally brand new. Uh, I'll stay up here after the service if you've got some questions you'd like to ask, and if I can't answer them, I'll point you in some directions where you can find some answers. 
for those of you that want to study some similar topics, I've actually left some books out in the hallway that you can take or make a donation uh, to Grace. Um, but again, I'll be up here if you'd like to chat about some things. Um, I would be glad to help you think through some of your questions. In conclusion, a Christian worldview matters. It shapes the way you think and importantly leads you to act in ways that demonstrate who Christ is in a world that desperately wants to see him in action. I can't tell you why he chose you or me to reflect his image. But I do know that his word teaches us that the God of the universe created you and me in his image and that we have victory over the evil one. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.